This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. With President Biden pushing a $174 billion plan to boost electric vehicle sales, Volkswagen says it's drafting a new EV strategy for the American market. It will reveal the new plan later this year. And while we don't have any details, it will likely include building and selling more EVs. The ID4 is the only EV available in the U.S. right now, which is manufactured at the automaker's plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. By next year, VW will build EVs at eight of its global factories, mostly in Europe and China. And by the end of the decade, VW plans to introduce 70 BEV models. Car sales in Europe are improving, but they're still way below pre-pandemic levels. According to the European Automobile Manufacturers Association, sales were up 74% in May compared to a year ago when countries were in COVID lockdowns. It's the third month in a row automakers posted an increase. However, compared to May of 2019, sales were down 25%, partly due to the semiconductor shortage. Autonomous vehicles offer a number of safety benefits, but when you think about trucking or package delivery, when there's no need for a human to be on board, how does an owner know when there's a problem? Bridgestone announced it's making a minority investment in Kodiak Robotics, a U.S.-based self-driving trucking company. Kodiak will leverage Bridgestone's cloud-based technologies to help predict when there might be an issue with the tires. Kodiak currently operates level four long haul trucks with a safety driver on board to move freight in Texas. It hopes to launch trucks with no safety driver in the next few years. Alfa Romeo was supposed to make a roaring comeback over the last decade, but it hasn't happened. Sales of the Stelvio and Giulia came in far below expectations. So what's next for the company? Well, that's what we'll be talking about on AutoLine After Hours this afternoon. We've got Larry Dominique, the head of Alfa Romeo North America, coming on the show. So join Gary and John at 3 p.m. Eastern Time later today. Mobility is becoming electric, connected, and autonomous, just like the manufacturing world. But we'll always be one thing, a reliable partner for our customers. Alex Partners, the consulting company, says electric cars still cost eight dollars to $11,000 more to make than cars with piston engines. It's all about the cost of the batteries. And while battery prices are coming down, it says batteries will still cost $90 per kilowatt hour in 2030 on average. Even more, it says that even by 2028, EVs will not have the scale per platform of the average piston-powered car. That is going to place an enormous cost burden on automakers. And interestingly, if you add up all the electric vehicles that global automakers say they're going to come out with, it only reaches 35% of the market by 2030. But Alex Partners still thinks automakers are too bullish. It forecasts that BEV sales will only hit 24% global market share by that time. 
Diesels used to account for over 50% of all passenger vehicle sales in Europe, but not anymore. LMC Automotive reports that diesel market share is now below 25%, half of what it used to be. But it varies by region and by segment. Diesel sales are actually going up in Italy, and they're still going strong in the luxury segment. Over 40% of the passenger vehicles that Mercedes-Benz sells are diesels, and it's over 30% at BMW. Lincoln has four vehicles in its lineup in the U.S. market, the Navigator, Nautilus, Aviator, and Corsair. And Lincoln says it's going to come out with four BEVs. So it's obvious where they're going with this. Lincoln will come out with four electric SUVs to replace their piston-powered counterparts. But there's going to be an overlap when both versions will be in the market. What we'd like to know is if Lincoln will keep the model names it has so carefully nurtured, or will it come up with new names for the electrics? One thing we do know is that the electrics will be built off dedicated platforms, and the first of them comes out in 2022. And here's some of our own wild speculation. Maybe the first electric Lincoln will be the Navigator, and maybe Ford can use the chassis from the F-150 Lightning to make it happen. The world is changing at an ever-increasing pace. No matter what the mode of transportation, there is always the need for an efficient propulsion system. And that's exactly what Borg Warner has been doing since the earliest days of the automotive industry. We want to know what drives your testing. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. More than a year ago, Honda dropped the electric version of the Clarity from its lineup. So it's not surprising to learn that the automaker will end production of the plug-in hybrid and fuel cell versions of the Clarity in August. Honda sold less than 2,000 Clarities in the U.S. this year. While it did not break down sales, the majority of those were likely plug-ins since the fuel cell is only available for lease in California. The Japanese factory that builds the Clarity is being shut down next year. It also makes the Odyssey and Legend, which was the Acura RLX in the U.S., but it was axed from the lineup last year. Honda will continue to build the Odyssey at its plant in Alabama. Jeep is hoping to attract more customers to its best-selling model, the Grand Cherokee. That's because for the first time, it's going to come with a third row. Jeep calls this the Grand Cherokee L, which features a nice little L badge on the driver's side of the tailgate, just in case you're not sure. It will also offer a standard wheelbase two-row and 4 e plug-in hybrid versions of the all-new Grand Cherokee, but those aren't scheduled to go into production until the end of the year. These are very easy to recognize compared to the outgoing model, just by looking at the lighting. A thin LED lighting signature is picked up on both the front and back, rather than the blocky look of before. You may also notice a little resemblance to the bigger, more expensive Wagoneer. This may be best highlighted by the rearward sloping grille. We like the Jeep designers lowered the belt line as well. Not only does it help kick off some of the styling cues, but you feel less of a child if you like to rest your arm on the door panel when the window is down. And it's hard not to see that Jeep wants to push the Grand Cherokee into a more premium category. The interior is full of real leather, wood, and metal accents, 
including an optional double diamond stitch pattern, a little similar to what you might find in a Bentley. Under the hood, there are two engine options as of now, a 3.6 liter V6 that makes 293 horsepower and a 357 horsepower 5.7 liter V8. A little more engine noise comes in the cabin than I would like, but both provide smooth power delivery and decent acceleration. When paired with the air suspension system, the all-new Grand Cherokee L has a nice ride and doesn't feel like a huge SUV. And with three available 4x4 systems, there's no need to worry about off-road capability. In fact, its ride height is up and it's able to go up to two feet in water, which is four inches more than before. Overall, this is a very nice vehicle and it's hard not to think it's going to bring in or retain more customers with the new three-row version. The Grand Cherokee L will start hitting dealer lots in the second quarter, starting price ranges from about $38,700 to $63,700, including destination charges. But that wraps up today's show. Thank you for watching. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game. Borg Warner, propulsion solutions that support a clean, energy-efficient world. And by Scheffler, we pioneer motion.